The information in this broadcast is for educational purposes only and is not provided as a professional service, medical advice, or is it intended or implied to be a substitute for diagnosis or treatment. You are encouraged to confirm any information obtained from this broadcast with other sources and review all information regarding any medical condition or treatment with your physician and other appropriate healthcare providers. Hi, I'm Pete Levine. Welcome to Noggins and Neurons, Stroke and TBI Recovery Simplified. I'm a clinical instructor and clinical researcher. I've co-authored dozens of scientific journal articles about brain injury recovery, and I'm also the author of the book, Stronger After Stroke. I'm Deborah Battistella, occupational therapist, creator of the OT's Guide to Mirror Therapy, and an OT educator. I have a lot of experience working with survivors. Most of my clinical practice has been in a certified stroke center. Pete and I are especially interested in talking about what rehab, neuroscience, and clinical research all have to say about the brain and recovery. But don't worry, our job is to make this stuff simple. We're here to make it so that everyone, clinicians, clinical students, caregivers, and most importantly, the survivor, understands what it takes to leverage their great neuroplastic brain for recovery. To recap episode one of What Works, Pete and I talked about interventions that go well together, including action observation, mirror therapy, mental practice, and constraint-induced therapy, when and when not to use stretching, and mindset, and thinking about boredom as it relates to recovery. In episode two of What Works, we talked about task-specific training, the LEAPS trial, modified constraint-induced therapy for gait and ambulation improvement, mind-body interventions and hippotherapy because they can improve balance. We reviewed sensory brain areas are neuroplastic and that retraining improves joint position sense, light touch, two-point discrimination, and better Berg balance scores. We learned about brain-computer interface, technology for improving upper extremity function following stroke, and then letting go of the old you as a means of evolving and progressing through recovery. <coughs> I'm sorry okay. about this cough. Don't apologize. For Gotta get the Tabasco there. out. That was so funny when I was listening to that. that. I think that was my favorite episode so far. Okay, you ready to give this a little bit of a shot? Yep. Okay, hey, Deb Batitzel, how are you? Hey, Pete Levine, I'm great. How are you? What are we talking about today? Today, we have something a little bit different happening. We're going to be meeting with an OT and an OTA that we met who own their own clinic, the NeuroHub. That's such that a cool right? name, NeuroHub. It I like is, that. It really is. We'll be talking with Doro, who is an occupational therapist. She's a certified brain injury specialist. She's a certified stroke rehabilitation specialist. And she has initials DRS after her name. And I think that means driver rehabilitation specialist. And this clinic is in the Orlando, Florida area. The clinic was started in January of 2017, 
and it's a small outpatient clinic and they specialize in treating neurological injury and illness. So most of their caseload consists of stroke survivors, but they also have clients who have suffered TBIs, spinal cord injuries, clients with Parkinson's disease, MS, and ALS. They pride themselves on providing client-centered, evidence-based rehab, and they really love utilizing the latest technology. So they try to provide a holistic approach to treatment. So for example, they work on traditional things that people need in recovery, like motor and sensory deficits, but they also like to do client education on brain health, the importance of sleep, nutrition, exercise, and mindfulness. Yeah, and just to give you guys a little bit of background, so we met them because the fine folks from UE Ranger, which is a support device for the upper extremity that allows people to range themselves, but also helps therapists range people with neurological deficits, but also orthopedic deficits. UE Ranger, you can Google that. They were going to have a meeting with us because they wanted to collaborate in some way. And all of a sudden, I don't know, I was surprised. Did you know that these folks from NeuroHub were going to show up at that Zoom meeting? No, I thought it was just going to be you and the UE Ranger people. Yeah. And so, and so they come in and they're just so dynamic and we're like, I don't know, I get the feeling like they are very much of our mindset, which is keep trying stuff until you find something that works. And even if it doesn't make sense to other people, that's okay. Stick with the evidence, use technologies, don't be afraid of the evidence or the technologies, and then go for it and see if you can help people. Absolutely. That was the one takeaway that I had from that meeting is they are not afraid. They're not afraid of new things, Deb. No, they're not. <laughs> now, the other person is Lynette Diaz. She's a certified occupational therapy assistant. Did I get that right? Well done. Thank you. She is also CSRS certified, which is Steve's thing, right? I think it is. Certified stroke rehabilitation specialist. That is a, a single course or a series of courses run by Neuro Recovery Unlimited, Steve Page's group. Lynette is high praise for NeuroHub. She likes the fact that they're focused on the latest technology to make stroke recovery as meaningful and enjoyable as possible. Can you imagine stroke recovery being enjoyable? They're also currently working with the very promising brain-computer interface program. We talked about BCI brain-computer interface options in What Does Work, our last episode. What Does Work, Chapter 2. And this is this idea that you use electroencephalogram, EEG, to read brain waves, put that information into a computer, and then have some sort of output to the muscles. So the brain is controlling the muscles, but it has this intermediary there that amplifies what the brain wants to do in a meaningful way. So, Lynette Enduro. And so thank you so much, Doro and Lynette, for, for showing up and involved in a lot of Facebook groups that are, revolve around OT or PT or PTAs or whatever it is. And the amount of hand-wringing and consternation about productivity issues and how difficult it is and you feel this need to want to break through the chains and do something else with their career 
And I wonder if you have any words of encouragement for those therapists that are struggling with the confinement of managed care as it exists. Anything else you want to talk about back end? How you two connected? How you, the whole the whole backstory? It's actually really short. So um, <laughs> I've always been interested in neuro ever since OT school. And right after OT school, I started working in an outpatient neuro setting at a large hospital system here in town. And my husband and I had two young kids and schedules got crazy. Productivity and demands got pushed higher. And it was just getting harder and harder for me to have a good work-life balance, to be a mom and to be an, a good therapist. And I was just desperately looking for that extra flexibility. And at the same time, I had a client that started going to the neuro gym and he mentioned it, told me about it. And initially I was critical. I was not sure what like, to what think. is this new yes. guy? What is this thing in town? What, what is this what thing? Are you talking about? They're not therapists. Mm -hmm. I got to check it out. So, but I'm always curious to learn more. So I went to the um, Center for Recovery and Exercise and checked it out and I was amazed. I mean, their level of professionalism and skills, the equipment, it was such an awesome energy. It was a non-medical, no, yeah. fun, energetic, lively setting where you don't feel like you have a disability. You just go there to sweat and work mm -hmm. out. And I love the feeling of it. And I was discussing with the executive director how we can better help this client of ours. And a couple of weeks later, she reached out to me and said, by the way, we're thinking about partnering with an occupational therapist just to bring more of an upper extremity skill set in here. And well, at that point I said, it's time to start my own practice. I need flexibility. Um, I need a flexible work schedule. I need to be my own boss. And the whole thing happened within six to eight weeks. I resigned. I had $500 in my pocket to start a business. I rented a room at CORE and the rest, that was is it. History. the rest is history. I started with two or three clients per week and then within a few weeks or months, it grew and then it exploded. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a pretty cool story. Yeah, I have an even cooler one. Not an okay. even cooler one, just as cool one to go along with that cool one, okay? So as an, when I was in school, I interned, I did one of my fieldwork shadows uh, you know, shadowing at court. And I was like, this place is so cool. But at that time, door wasn't there and they didn't have OT. So I was like, oh my gosh, if only this place had OT, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. So then I go to school, I finish school, I'm working, um, make my way to rehab director, getting burnt out as one does. And I was just like, no, I want to go I want to go into neuro, so I'm going to educate myself about neuro. I attend one of Peter Levine's classes on neuro for my news. Yeah, that was part of that was part of this journey. So I attend that class, and that I was like, yes, this is it. I definitely want to go into neuro. And I was like, how do I make this transition? It's like impossible. You know, there's so few neuro clinics to begin with. I just I, I went ahead, made my resignation letter. I looked on Indeed, and sure enough, what was there? neuro PRN at the neuro hub at core. And I was like, the stars literally aligned. <laughs> it was magical. That's crazy sauce. Yeah. 
it's and awesome. How long ago was that? That was two, two, year, two and a half years ago. Yeah, two and a half years ago now. Wow, that's too cool. It's so. Where's cool. your music now, Pete? I think we need music. <laughs> Cue the music. Um, Cue the magical music. You know, I will put music behind that. Yeah. That is music worthy. It is. And and the the other thing is, like, I'm not kidding. Half of the things that are said on these Facebook groups are just these heart-rendering stories of people being boxed into a job that they can't leave because they're worried about health insurance, because they're worried about their kids, because they're worried about the roof over their head. Mm -hmm. And to hear stuff like that, but you have to look for the star. You got to be looking at the stars to see yeah. if they're aligned. Wow, that was pretty profound. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> you have to follow your heart in some way, even if it's not working where you're at. Still find a way to follow your heart. Right. Just take those first baby steps, mm-hmm. you know, and and see what what comes together. And if someone's on the verge of making that leap and they feel like they can, you know, they have that support to do it. Go for it. Yeah. It's what's needed. That, what's that saying? Success is just one step outside of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a big step for me. I had a steady income. I had health insurance. I had a potential for student loan forgiveness Ooh. as I worked for a non-for-profit. That's a tough one to give up. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah, I had to follow my gut, my brain. Was it worth it? Yes, it was. <laughs> 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 that was funny. She, Lynette just put a, a microphone in Doro's <laughs> face and then she had the camera going and she was like, can we have a quote from you about that? Well, you know, I, look, I, I think that you may have a seminar, a seminar or two um, in your future, because I bet if you pitch that to any of the major seminar doers, and I don't know if you have any interest in this at all, how to start your own business. I mean, people would, would flock to that. Yeah. I might do it myself. I might do it myself. Just steal their ideas. (laughs) I mean, it's not a bad idea. We'll come. We'll listen. We'll attend. (laughs) (laughs) You're getting it wrong. That was, that's not the way it happened. The stars, you forgot about the stars. Well, you know, I think a lot of, I think when you're the person who's afraid to take the leap, you, you tell yourself all these stories. Like, I'm not like that. I can't be successful like that. I'm, they're not afraid. Like, you believe somewhere that people who take these risks are not afraid. And that's not true. I, I don't, am I right about that? Like, it's not true for me. Yeah, you were absolutely. Correct. I mean, I was terrified in the beginning. I, it took me literally like three months to finally make the decision to leave my current job. Like, in reality, probably like six to nine months where I was thinking about it and like three real months to actually finally do it. So yeah, no, it is not for lack of fear. Yeah. It is right I mean, part of it. For me, it was a quick decision um, or but, quicker, Yeah, but fear was definitely involved and it's still at times involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's the nature of the beast. You mm-hmm. run a business, you're responsible for people that put their trust in you and mm-hmm. you want to help them recover. And are you doing the right treatment? Mm-hmm. You know, are you doing what's best for them? Mm-hmm. That fear is always there, but I think that's what helps us grow as clinicians and mm-hmm. makes us stronger and better in our skill sets. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you 
couch the fear not in terms of losing the business or something, but in terms of letting down your patience. Oh, yeah. You're oh, sort of letting your heart lead you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're getting you're getting the the um the repertoire, the connection, the client connection that a lot of people go into rehab for. That's why they work in those settings because they like that relationship. Exactly. But they're not really getting it now because of the productivity standards. There's no time. I know. So incredibly disheartening. It's heartbreaking. It's frustrating. It's all of the above. Like your your heart, I feel like can only take so much in those stifling settings when Mm -hmm. your heart is in it to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, One of the things that we do totally different here than in an um, insurance driven setting is we set ourselves a limit of clients per day. So we, and we don't set it. I mean, it's really it's a based hard on, limit, but no, like, but it's based on therapists. Yeah. I can see five patients a day and know I can provide quality treatment. Anything at over five, I feel like I might let somebody down and not deliver a hundred percent. Or making sure to give sufficient timing. And, and yeah. all, again, all of it is surrounded by, are we providing the best treatments? Are we the best are we setting ourselves up to be the best clinicians to provide those treatments? Yeah. Do you guys ever have people travel? What's the furthest somebody has traveled to, to come see you? I think so far, Mexico. Mexico. What? Yeah. Really? Wow. And so did they set up shop near you because they just had to have NeuroHub? They came for the evaluation. And then they invited us to go to Mexico but, for two weeks, but we're to, too busy to go. So now they have to come back. Yeah. <laughs> were they going to pay for that trip? Yes. Yeah. They offered us oh. a big house and everything. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. And you turn that down because you, they're so committed to their patients. They didn't want to let the patients down. Who's going to be at NeuroHub if they're not in Mexico on the exactly. beach, like doing rehab. <laughs> One of the things that Pete and I talk about are home exercise programs, because it seems like a lot of people do just kind of wait until the end of therapy. It's time for discharge and they give people a handout. And we like to think about setting people up more from the beginning and and building in ways to grade it once they plateau when they're not with you. So do you address that with them? Yes. So when we hand out exercise programs, in the beginning, we kind of progress them while we still see them and then build it for success once they leave. And then we even check, even afterwards, we still check in with our clients. Mm-hmm. So every other week or so. And they also contact check us, us and they're like, hey, I did that thing that you told me to do. I'm great. What's next? Yeah. We, we get that a lot too. I'm sick like, of it. I'm ready to move. Or not sick of it. Like I, I've just done it. Like, I, okay, what's the next thing? Yeah. We get that a lot too. So, so Lynette was holding her, her thumb in her uh, index. Is that index finger? Pinky, <laughs> pinky and thumb out like she was talking to them on the phone. Do you guys do any sort of tele-rehab stuff? Not, Not really. No, but we definitely stay in contact with our clients. They text us email, or call us. Text, phone call, FaceTime. Yeah. So that's good that you guys are keeping in touch with everybody because, oh, yeah. you know, once they're out of rehab, a lot of people lose their motivation. But it is more like a, a group, a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have clients text us at 11 at night. We might not answer it because we're <laughs> sleeping and practicing good sleep health and habits, but um, they feel comfortable enough to text us with a question mm-hmm. at 11 at night and say, hey, 
what's what hey what's up my shoulder's funky positioned in bed how can i make it better Mm -hmm. or i need a home exercise program or when can i come see you again yeah i don't think they ever have that feeling that they're alone once they leave us like they know we're always there to continue providing support us for sure that's cool because a lot of times when people are discharged from therapy they naturally decline Mm-hmm. because they're not doing the stuff with the same vigor that they would do in the clinic. And then people scratch and claw to get themselves back into rehab because they associate rehab with progress. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like an addiction almost, whereas you guys, your perspective is a little bit different. You're willing to let them be free. Yeah, and- set them free. They need to be independent. <laughs> and then it's an 80%, 20% split is sort of interesting because I think in I don't want to speak for all therapists, but in most therapists' mind, I bet that's flipped, that they they expect 80% to be done in rehab because it's rehab and it's expensive mm-hmm. and we need to get things done and there's productivity issues and we're measuring everything. And then the 20%, of, uh, I guess they'll do that at home. Mm-hmm. But that's we don't make them better. They make themselves better, especially when it comes to neuroplastic change. I mean, that's- Correct. I, know, I mean, if you think about it, they see us maybe three hours a week. Mm-hmm. Some people see us six hours, they do double sessions, and we try to do high repetitions in every session. So anywhere between three to two to 300 reps per session. Um, yeah, Depending on what we're working on. So there's a lot, but even then we're like, if you want to get mm-hmm. the most, and a lot of people, by the time they come to us, they want to get the most of their recovery, they're willing to do it and they'll do the work at home yeah. too. Yeah. So, so they, we don't so- have to do a lot of like poking, prodding and checking up. If anything, they're calling, hounding us. Yeah. How many more reps can I do? Mm. Is it safe to lift more weight? Yes, go do do <laughs> more weights. Yeah. So I noticed I watched some of the YouTube videos. It sounds like your clients are so well educated. Like you explain to them everything that you're doing, what you're working on, and so they understand. what's happening. So it makes sense to me that with that education piece and with that buy-in that they would understand the value of doing those repetitions at home. Correct. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly the word that I was going to use the Mm buy-in. Once you have the client buy into their own recovery and therapy, um, it's a, it's a big win right Mm -hmm. there. We're really good about being honest with them Mm -hmm. that if they're, if they don't have the buy-in, you know, you can only expect so much. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not going to do it by itself completely. You know, you got to do the work. It seems like your your model, your business model, is a lot different than what most therapists experience from day to day. And I wonder, do you guys take insurance? We don't. So we're in no contract with any insurance providers. However, as long as it's not Medicare, Medicaid, or Tricare, we can provide a super bill. And then if the client does have an out-of-network coverage in place, they can submit it for reimbursement. But we usually, we let the client know from the beginning, we don't deal with mm-hmm. insurance. It takes up too much of our time that we can invest in you and in your recovery. That's really valuable because that's exactly what I think therapists want to hear is that this is doable within the oh absolutely not only is it doable you feel like a not not to say that you don't feel like a real therapist otherwise but you feel the full strength of what it is to be like a exactly at last yes imagination is your only limit i love that you brought up imagination which clearly you guys use all the time i think that's part of the struggles that some of the newer clinicians are having is because they've only worked in this 
weird model that we have right now where insurance is driving therapy and they don't really know what occupational therapy can be, what it is and what it can be. I think a lot of times um, young or new clinicians are scared to go away from the textbooks um, for fear of mistakes and then or not being reimbursed. Maybe you want to walk us through an evaluation to treatment planning and maybe somewhere in there you want to speak about the driver rehab? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, driver rehab is a little different, but yeah, so the initial OTE val is, I would say, pretty standard OTE val. We use standardized assessments. We get to know the client. Um, it's really important to us to establish rapport with the client right off the bat, see what their likes and preferences are. We tell them upfront, we want to provide treatment that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. We're OTs or considered OTs, but we will not work on dressing if you don't want to. Right. Um, most, of our, yeah, most of our clients have been to the inpatient and outpatient ringer. And they say, if you make me put on my socks one more time, I will throw them. Yeah. Um, so really, we focus on re-education of movement or mm-hmm. regaining movement, meaningful movement. So for the OT eval, we do a little bit of past medical history, um, social history. We do for the testing, range of motion, modified Ashworth scale for spasticity. Fugelmeyer. Fugelmeyer. Box and blocks, blocks. nine hole peg, mm-hmm. group nine hole peg test. Um, sensation, visual perception if needed. My um, testing, mm-hmm. sensation. But yeah. I mean, I would say our, our OTE valve is pretty standard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what we do afterward. Yeah, that's, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. So, and, and from a treatment perspective, I think we always go to, okay, this person may have been in therapy for months, but the fundamentals need work. Yes. Right. So posture. So we look at what they have. Mm-hmm. So for example, if we have a client that does not have much movement in the shoulder, but we see little twitches in the hand, just tiny twitches, we shift that paradigm of proximal to distal recovery. Right. And we just jump right on the hand and start from distal and go wherever you got it. We'll wherever bring it you out. got it. Yes. We While still it. addressing the fundamentals. Yeah. We use it to motivate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get away from the textbook and yeah. um, focus on what the client likes and enjoys. And once what we see that, once we see that hope, that spark in a client of, oh my goodness, my hand is, my fingers are twitching. Yeah. Look right here. There's mm-hmm. a tiny twitch. Yeah, it's amazing. To, to so much more getting comes control. along, and like, yes, yeah, sometimes it's a slow process, but it's it's exciting. You're getting you know movement back in that limb that somebody told you that you weren't going to get movement yeah. in at all. I can't tell you how many clients we've had that like they said this is the best I'm going to get, and they've gotten more movement. I am still wondering why people feel like they have the power or the authority to tell people what they will have in the future because we don't have the crystal ball. I don't know what strategy that is that they're trying to use, whether they're trying to like, I mean, I really don't understand. Like, even if it was because you didn't want to give false security, why would you take away any help? I don't know. Exactly. I feel like you should give help and say what we've seen now with mm -hmm. advancements in technology is that you can reestablish connections. You can build new connections, have new... Yeah, no, go ahead. absolutely. And those who, who do the best, I think, are the ones who have the mindset that it's just a matter of time and effort, but it's going to happen. You know, they, they, they just have that feeling. They stick with it. Yeah, there's the grit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mindset is everything, I think. 
Yeah. I'm sure you have some basic movement goals, but what kind of functional goals do people have? Like, do people have some, like their meaning, their heart goals? Returning to playing racquetball mm-hmm. or going fishing again, um, being able to scratch my other arm with my affected yes. arm, like even things as simple as that, but that would be meaningful to that person. Yeah. So whatever it is, we're going to help you do it. Yeah. yeah. Getting on my phone and finding a audible app to listen to right, yeah. books and whatever it is. Whatever it is. Yeah. It, do you, it is, sorry. Go ahead, Deb. No, go ahead. Well, I'm wondering if, so a lot, everything that we've talked about so far is res- restoration of movement. And do you ever get into adaptations? When needed. At times. Yeah. You know. It's not our favorite, but we will. I mean, when necessary, like if we truly feel like, okay, this is as far as they've come so far, what do we need to do in the interim? But the goal is always to get. But our clients really don't want it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay. Nobody wants to rely on adaptations. They feel like that's when they get stuck. Oh my gosh. So many of the times they're like, don't even give me that sable glove. I don't even want to look at it. I just want to do it with my hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have those people. That's happened more than once. We even have the cool. Oh, yeah. oh we had. Oh, the sable mini moss that like uh, offloads the weight of the arm. Have you seen that one? Yeah. They're like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any kind of adaptive equipment, you know, if we, if we try to tell them, it's like, hey, here's a Tito Disa's barbecue flipper for somebody They're with like, a spinal cord <laughs> injury, you could flip your burgers again. They're like, no, yeah, I'm going to practice with an actual spatula until mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. I don't care how many burgers I drop. Yeah. I'm not sure how like we a, attracted this, this breed of client, but we like that's, a pride thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you use adaptive equipment here. and not that there's anything wrong with that no adaptive equipment has its purposes but i i think a lot of the clients that we have they just want to be able to do it on their own yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. do you find that that there is a common thread or theme would your prototype patient or sorry your prototype client be somebody who was an athlete or somebody who was highly motivated prior to their brain injury maybe you're just a attracting this demographic that's specifically motivated, but has always been motivated. Do you get any thematic kind of feel? Hmm, Good question. I don't know that they've always been motivated, but they, we have a lot of people who were like at the top of their field or like definitely go-getters in in whatever they were doing. Yes. I would say that's a fair amount of them, but that's not necessarily everyone. But then no, that there's other ones that just fell through the cracks and the other uh, and they're like systems and they're looking for additional rehab because they want to get better. They're like, I can, I think I still have yeah. potential. Can mm-hmm. you help me? Yeah. Yeah. The average number of neurons lost in a stroke is like two or 3% of the total number of neurons in the brain. And so the redundancy, and then if you lose neurons, you can still gain synaptic connection. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that, you know, you guys aren't putting a plateau on things, a hard plateau on things, but the recovery is a series of plateaus mm-hmm. after the after the big kahuna plateau. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a lot of people, I think, and by the way, I don't know if you've looked at the numbers lately, Deb, but we're up to 4,900 downloads. Oh, no, so no. we're on the cusp of 5,000. And I'm hoping that when we put everything that we need to, and we talk about NeuroHub, they're going to be like, coming through the doors, just flying through the doors. But then you have a problem, which is you only want to see five people a day. So then you're going to have to hire other OTs. I, I told her we have to start cloning ourselves or like looking for other like-minded individuals because we can only do so much if we want to maintain the integrity of this model. Yeah. I'm well, glad I'll you- be down there in a month. So. <laughs> oh, there, there we go. go. 
<laughs> a lot of the people that listen to this, we get the feeling ROTs, we don't really know, but much less on the PT side of things. Mm-hmm. But we also want to talk to people that have had brain injury. And you guys done a really good job of explaining stuff so that everybody can understand it because mm-hmm. it, we should all be using the same language. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. Yes. But can you talk? Because more than anything I've ever heard somebody with a brain injury lament about besides the obvious ones like walking or my shoulder is subluxed or I have incredible amounts of pain because of shoulder hand syndrome or whatever is driving. And you guys do driver's head. Can you give us some insight into this problem that always exists, which is the doc or some other healthcare provider or the DMV or BMV, whatever you call it, has stamped them as ineligible to drive. How do you, no pun intended, but how do you turn that corner with them? Do you ever say to people, um, no, you, you can't drive. You're, you're clearly not in a place where you can drive. How do you deal with those kinds of issues around driving? Yeah, so there's different scenarios. So there's the scenario of the neurologist doesn't want to clear a client to drive. They're not flagged by the DMV. The neurologist just says, has concerns. Yeah, you, you had a brain injury. I want you to get checked out. So these clients can come see us. We do a pretty thorough, about two hour in clinic evaluation where we look at all the aspects. We do a full vision test with the Optech machine. We do uh, cognition, range of motion, range of motion. Um, break reaction time, we do set sensation, visual perception, all kinds of things that we need to drive safely. If the client doesn't show any red flags during the in-clinic evaluation, we'll take them out on the road for a drive and then see how do they do on the drive in an unfamiliar environment under stress. Can they remember commands? Do they? How do they react to other drivers um, in traffic situations? And then we write a recommendation and discuss it with the client and then send it to the physician. Then there's another scenario where the DMV can flag someone and says, you're no longer safe to drive. You need to go under a medical review. So that's when we do the same procedure again and send the paperwork to the physician and the medical review board. And then it gets reviewed by other physicians and they might grant them the license or not. And then we also do adaptive driving. Mm -hmm. So let's say somebody had a stroke and is right side affected and now has to learn to accelerate with the left foot and steer with the left foot and turn turn signal on with the, did I say steer? You you did. (laughs) Whoa, bedtime is calling. Steer with the left hand. Okay, yes. Let me me just start over. (laughs) Wait, what did she say? She said steer with the left foot? Yeah. yeah, I mean, we haven't done that one yet. No, because that could be a possibility. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, right? Just not a common one. Yeah. yeah, no. So if somebody is right side affected, we would give them a left foot accelerator and teach them how to steer with a spinner knob with the left hand. Or, or after a spinal cord injury, mm-hmm. have those clients too who yep. might need adaptive equipment. Yeah, some drive from the wheelchair. We're able to get the um, power wheelchairs into our van behind the steering wheel and then get them set up for whatever they need. A lot of times it's the use of hand controls. Mm -hmm. So where you learn to drive with your hands, meaning gas and brake with your hands while using the steering wheel with the other hand. So we have those two scenarios. What's our third? Oh, the third is more just like those who are, have safety concerns about their loved ones. Like perhaps they're advancing oh. in age and they're, or maybe they've had a stroke or maybe they have 
mm, signs of potential dementia yeah. and they just want to be cleared they don't necessarily have to be it hasn't been recommended but they for that they themselves they want to be yeah uh, is my mom or dad okay to still drive right drive. right and sometimes we have to have those tough conversations yeah sometimes that's the mm-hmm. it's unpleasant um and we never tell them they can't drive we just say you know it's really is, advisable according to this information that you do not drive yeah it's our recommendation yeah and we usually discuss it with the physician yeah so we have backup mm-hmm. and as soon as we meet the client, we're open with them and let them know we're going to try to do our best, but we're going to be very open with you. We're going to tell you where the safety concerns are so they don't feel like we're leading them on and they might pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not and easy sometimes- because it's taken their independence. To them, it's huge. It's, oh, yeah. you, you just rip away their only way to get to the, what is it, Elks Lodge? <laughs> <laughs> that always breaks my heart. But oh, I, I just want to go to the Elks Lodge. It's literally across the street. Mm, okay. I want to go to church on Sundays and the Elk Lodge on Friday night. I'm like, oh. You're going to have to Uber, my friend. But then you also offer driver training for those who potentially, you know, the deficit isn't so great that they can't overcome it. Yeah. So maybe train. with some training, mm-hmm. they can become safer drivers. Yeah. And then we we just recently started taking on the new drivers with dis- well, disabilities, disabilities in general. Yeah. So whether it's like a double lower extremity amputation and they need to learn to drive with hand controls. For or, the first time. Mm-hmm, or somebody with spina bifida and lots of autism, ADHD. Do you get any, is there any type of um, funding for that? Are there agencies that provide funding for that? I know we have some of that here in New York State. There's some associations, like I believe it's the Spina Bifida Association or Foundation that helps their members. And then vocational rehab is Mm -hmm. very good at helping. But that's about it. Usually insurance companies, unfortunately, and that's a huge soapbox thing for me. Insurance companies say driving is a privilege, not a medical necessity. And they've never been to Florida to be able to drive here. Right. Just like showering isn't a necessity either. So they won't pay for a shower chair. Why shower? Oh my God. Right. I mean, you can sponge bathe. Right. Yeah. We don't Good enough. Luxury. luxury. Mm-mm. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's so- a whole other conversation, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. That sounds like quite the range of services that you provide just on the driving end. Yeah, for sure. I would say the majority is... What would you say, like adaptive? Majority had an injury or illness and is learning to drive with adaptive equipment. And then a smaller part is the The safety, safety like fitness to drive and things like that. And that is a lot of hoops to jump through because if the doc doesn't get you, then the DMV can get you. And if the DMV doesn't get you, then the family can get you. And so many people out to get you. What? They're out to get you. And all you want to do is get to the Elks Lodge and church because that's the social driver, literally yes. driving. Precisely. Hence the conundrum. How, do, how does the DMV mark somebody? Is it part of the law that if you have a brain injury, you have to retake the driving test? Is that how they're getting? Like, how would you know that somebody wasn't able to drive? I'm not sure. It's not. So a lot of times... When clients go to get their license renewed every few years, and let's say they walk in with a cane or they come in in a wheelchair, that's when they get questions. 
questioned by the DME, and that's when they get flagged a lot of times. And they say, oh, are you actually fit to drive? Have you done an assessment? We will have to do a medical review. Wow. So a cane itself will, will trigger that. Oh, we, had a, we have a lot of old people or elderly people that just want their license renewed. And they walked in with a cane. Or they have triggered, a slight tremor. Or a slight tremor. Yes. And they get flagged. They get flagged and need to undergo a medical review. And they'll have to do a review every year from that point forward. Really? Wow. Wow. The guy is 25 years old. He twists his ankle playing soccer. (laughs) And for the next 75 years, he's got to do the. That's no fair. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what their what their guidelines are, but yeah. Maybe that's because there's that large older adult population in Florida. That could be it for sure. Yeah. I you know, I had an interesting experience. The first time I, I drove down to Florida, took a nice little road trip. <laughs> On my way home, you know those big signs that go over the interstate? Uh-huh. Well, we were on the lookout for someone in a pickup truck driving on the wrong side of the highway. Yeah, it was scary. (laughs) Well, good thing you didn't actually encounter that. that I didn't think. Yeah, yeah, we see those. Mm -hmm. Someone on the loose. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever have clients who've had a stroke who want to drive you're kind of advocating for them to drive their families think maybe they shouldn't drive but you kind of think maybe they could any of those scenarios absolutely all the time and that's when we bring the family in we discuss we include the family we discuss all the the findings the the test results what we see on the road i mean i feel like the tests are usually really good at flagging anything major that would be yeah yeah there's but are they okay to drive? Like, is the survivor good to drive and the family is incorrect? Yeah, we've Sometimes had that. that happens, mm-hmm. yeah. We've mm-hmm. had that where the family is just overly concerned at this point. Mm-hmm. Something major happened and now they're scared. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But as long as they demonstrate fitness to do so, mm-hmm. then yeah. We kind of tell them to start slow. We talk the family through it. Just. Mm-hmm. Drive in the late afternoon in your neighborhood when there's no school in session. Mm-hmm. Start really slow and, and try to get the family member comfortable board, yeah. with them again. We can't take them along in our vehicle because of liability issues. The, um, the caregivers. The caregivers, yeah. But we usually give them tips and tricks on how they can let go of that fear. Fear, yeah. Hey, guys, we don't have that much more time, but I did want what? to ask- we just got warmed up. <laughs> I know. Well, here's here's the bad news for you. No, only good news. We don't do bad. Yeah, what's that about? It's the whole good bad thing. Let, let's oh, see oh, if it's good or bad because I don't know. Bad part. What's the good part? I, I haven't talked to my partner here, but uh, I would bet good money that we'll have you back whenever the heck you want to come back. Because okay. I have a suggestion. Lynette, you have a question in the yes, third I have row? A question. Yes, um, I think. I mean, you let me know your schedule. But once we've had like the first full round of clients go through the BCI, like at least one or two, I think we should reconvene then because I'm super excited to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's the brain computer interface. Mm-hmm. Would you mind, and you don't have to, but would you mind giving us the brand name of that? Just Yeah, no, it's uh, the Recovery X. Recovery. And X. Then X. Recovery X system okay. by G-Tech. Mm-hmm. 
It's okay. on our Instagram at the Neuro Hub. We ha- yeah, you gave What's us Instagram? <laughs> Dude, I'm a boomer. I have no idea. Actually, we downloaded the I redownloaded the app so I could look up guys and follow you on Instagram. We are really, we're very old and (laughs) I'm hoping not to walk with a cane anywhere near the DMV because they'll flag you. At least I don't want to be flagged. (laughs) I'll just, just come on over. We'll take you to the lodge. I have reported to us. (laughs) Yeah. I have some, I want to talk about vision and cognition still. So There's so much good stuff out there. <laughs> I know. And we didn't get to ask you guys lots of questions. Yes. I'm pretty sure I sent a list of like mm, 15 questions. No, but vision is. I huge. thought we were supposed to ask you those questions. Oh, no. Those are all the questions I want to ask you guys. Ah. No, can we talk <laughs> about vision and cognition, how it goes hand in hand? And so I do. Overlook vision and cognition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't see your world. You can't yeah. take it in. Mm-hmm. can't process it. And so many clinicians don't even think about that. The cognition might be impaired by the vision, by the vision, yeah. by the visual mm-hmm. deficit. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the first things we do when we, when we know somebody has a visual deficit or a cognitive deficit, we check the vision and then we refer them out. We actually have a, a good vision therapist. Mm-hmm. A good vision therapist, ophthalmologist that works with the neuro population and yeah, that usually shows huge improvements in mm-hmm. the cognition of the clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know in the hospital, one of the first things people would report to me is that they can see okay, but they can't read and remember, recall what they just read, and they enjoyed reading. Mm-hmm. So then you know it's time to dig deeper yeah. into vision and cognition. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that vision isn't looked at more in rehab, generally speaking. Uh, my wife, my wife's a PT. She was just talking about this the other day because she now has to have reading glasses and distance glasses. I guess there's this one portion of the world that she can see okay without glasses. And then if you're outside of that, it's not going to go well. Um, and she was talking about this guy that wanted to be an astronaut, had poor eyesight, and so didn't qualify. And he started doing exercises for his his eyes, you guys know that it's not just the musculature that surrounds the eyes, but the occipital, the the visual cortex that can also lose wiring or gain, gain synaptic connections. Do you guys have a particular treatment that, that you use or how do you handle that? Or do you send it to this? Do you refer them out? We usually refer them out and then collaborate with the physician that oversees the the eye treatment, um, where we ask him, what would you suggest we incorporate into our practice? Um, We're big on collaborating for the greater good. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, because one of the things I think that happens, especially with older people, is they this is what they see. They have blinders on. And and then if they want to see anything outside of that, they literally turn their head. Uh And then we're all stuck on our phone the whole time. So all we're seeing is this limited view of the world, whereas, you know, the way we evolved and, and Deb has a, a, a degree in anthropology, and I always like to lean on this one. Um, we're, we're hunter-gatherers, and so we're always looking for opportunities. And that means a lot of cicades and a lot of visual stuff mm-hmm. that we just don't do. And I wonder if there isn't some real good opportunities there, especially, oh, it seems yeah. like, to me, for OT yes. to really go after vision. And that's where we love to bring gaming in too, because we can address all the circadian movements, 
even though if it's on a screen. But I mean, we even do it within a room where we go on like a letter hunt or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Flashlight tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with a neuroscientist named Andrew Huberman? No, but I'm going to write you, it down. I'm writing you it down. will love him oh, no. into the weeds about how vision and the brain work together. And it's you will absolutely love it. Um, Don't give him that name. That he, they won't talk to us. <laughs> no, you should have him on your. He's amazing. I'm going to look at. Incredible. I'm going to look him up right now. Look, oh, what, yeah. you're all, you guys are already coming back. So I don't even know if you care to come back, but you are coming back. No, so. we do. We're excited. So we'll get Andrew Huberman on. Maybe we'll have him on with you. you know? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, dreams do. Come and then to- next. Oh, they do. <laughs> I'm living mine right now. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Next, who would we request? Peter Atia. Okay, have you heard? Oh, so that, that was one of my questions to you guys. Like, who, if any, like uh, scientists or physicians, or who do you like to follow? Who do you, who kind of inspires you in that regard? Well, I'll go first. I'm going to write this down. I'm going to take notes. So I have these two books that I used to recommend to the, my patients and their family members. Um, Stronger After Stroke. My beautiful. <laughs> well, I heard of that. Shameless <laughs> beautiful, beautiful book. Really, you guys have to stop now. Yeah. <laughs> and um, his colleague, Dr. Stephen Page. Like, if mm-hmm. if Dr. Page is presenting at AOTA, I'm at the pre- even if I'm just hanging out in the background. Just, I just want to know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um. We were supposed Those to have are. a Zoom call with him last Tuesday. Yes. Well, we still have. We're going to have one. Yeah. Lynette couldn't make it. Yeah. To, oh, wait, throw me the bus. <laughs> are you making something for him? I don't know. Are we? Oh. Not that I know of. P- potentially. Maybe. Find out. She wants to know Maybe. what your call is about. What are you talking <laughs> to Steve about? Hey, no, I, I, I was just wondering like, if they're going to make something for the. Um... Yeah. Lynette doesn't know much yet. Do you know? What is that? What is you know. that thing it's called? It's on a need-to-know basis, Lynette. Oh, apparently, I don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, the thing called? The vlog? Yeah, the vlog. The, the neuro the vlog. vlog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The vlog. <laughs> um, I like, um, oh my gosh, Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor. Jill Bolte. Oh, that's not what I'm familiar with. Um, my Stroke of Insight, because she's. Oh, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And she's got a new book out now that you will probably like a whole brain living. I feel like one of our clients was reading that book. Oh my gosh. It's been, it's, it just helps me understand the brain better, like, especially for the brain after it's experienced trauma, Yeah. because I teach, I work with a lot of students and I see, you know, you, you just see the signs of it and I don't always know what to do. So it's just kind of nice to have a better understanding and be able to just be a little bit more compassionate and understanding and, and while at the same time, um, having clear strategies mm-hmm. to implement. That's what great. about um, Norman Deutsch? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that one is Norman Deutsch. Is it Norman Deutsch? The brain that changes itself. Oh, yes. Yeah, I know the book. I, I don't, I didn't remember his name. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. was, I, I pointed this out to Deb, his book, the brain that changes itself was written two years after a book that said exactly the same thing by Jeffrey Schwartz and it's neuroplasticity and the something, um, the power of the brain or something like that. Jeffrey Schwartz, he's a psychiatrist, but George's book was better written. And it Mm -hmm. really, I think it was the entree book for a lot of people that were interested in how Mm -hmm. neuroscience affects our world. 
I'm a big fan of Michael Mersenich. He's the guy who developed the cochlear implant. And uh, he has a company called Posit Science, P-O-S-I-T Science. He helps people with Asperger's, with attention deficit disorder, with dyslexia. He, he says that dyslexia is really a hearing problem, and he's, a, he's very into hearing, and that when kids read the letter D, they don't hear it in their mind's ear, not their mm-hmm. mind's eye, but their mind's ear. And so it's a lot of listening to very a lot of repetitions of sounds mm-hmm. and then having them speed just like you guys would do clinically where you you throw on more repetitions and when they can handle that number of repetitions you add speed and then you or you add noise in the background so posit science right. and then of course the great vs ramachandran who we've talked mm-hmm. about a lot because he developed mirror therapy first for phantom limb pain mm-hmm. and then him and a student of his eric altschuler um developed it for people with hemiparesis and then deb has hit me to the fact that there's like this whole rainbow of stuff that mirror therapy does that, yeah. that those are the guys, those are the people that I, I like, although, well, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, let's not forget Dr. Edward Taub. Yes. Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Very good. I love it. I love it. Yeah. We're having a, a neuroscientist from UT Austin, Teresa Jones, who does a lot of animal model stuff and, you know, it's great to be able to collect data at work and in clinical trials with humans, but these stupid humans, first of all, they <laughs> don't even have the decency to have their brain injury in the same place. And it's all over the place. And then there's different <laughs> kinds. And then they're wired differently to begin with, but with mice, wow, you can give them exactly the same stroke, 50 of them. And then you can have a control group and you can do things to mice that would put you in jail if you did it with people. Mm-hmm. So um, Teresa Jones is going to uh, I, I hope t- one of the things I want to get out of her, and this is in what, a couple of weeks or something, or is it next week she's coming on? And I want to talk to her about this idea that if you do compensatory movement as the penumbra is coming back online, you end up hurting future function of the affected side because the brain says, oh, you want me to go after the unaffected side? Okay. You know, that's my non-dominant hand and it has been, but, uh, but I can make it a lot more coordinated. And during the subacute phase, you know, there's BDNF and all, mm-hmm. all these great neurotransmitters that are happening in the brain. And so it, it primes the unaffected side to get better. And that's not what we're looking for. Right. So she does a lot of animal models for that kind of stuff. So I'm, I don't even know what to ask. I'm like, this is, this is like a real neuroscientist and she's going to be the first one. Then we have, do you know the evidence-based review of stroke rehabilitation? It's the EBRS. Oh, I live on that website. (laughs) Yeah. So that guy, Bob Tissell or Robert Tissell, MD, is going to be on the show. We're still trying to book him. And and as well as his protege who who runs the technical aspect of the EBRSR. Are we allowed to say the other one that's joining (laughs) us too? Who's that? You just emailed me today. You forwarded me the. Oh, yeah. She's an OT, right? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot her name. Mary Warren, vision. She's all about vision. University of Alabama. Yeah, she's a big one. Very yeah. She's the mother of vision. She yeah. is. The mother of vision. Mother of vision. I know. You know who else? I, I really appreciate Glenn Gillen and Carolyn Baum um, on the cognition end of things. Jotting it all down. Good. Yeah, Glenn Gillen has a has a book out that's in multiple Publications. What what the heck is that called? Oh, you know what? I 
I don't know if we're thinking of the same one, but I was able to download one to borrow for a month. It's some it's sort of open, like open educational. What do they call that? The sources open free. I think they call it free. It was free. There's another better term. <laughs> oh, is it open, open source? Open source. Open source. It might just be open educational. Source. I don't know. Uh, didactic. Yeah. Some, uh, yeah. Free. Google. <laughs> yeah. What what happened over there? I, I dropped my um, vitamin D. Oh jeez. Oh. And with the Delta variant coming, you you better have some vitamin D in you. Yeah. I'm looking up Glenn Gillen's book. Some D3. What is it? D3K2. Yeah, D3 with K2 because mm-hmm. it, helps, it helps you absorb it better in your gut. Oh. Oh, you yeah. guys don't even know. K2 is a mountain that people ski down every once in a while. It's a ski, it's a ski, it's a snow ski brand, K2. Wait, what's K2? I'm supposed to no, take all no, I got is the D3. D3. I got the D3. That's right. That have K2 on it? Well, what is K2? Wait, that's a blood, a blood thing. It's a K, K, K. Isn't the K the anti-clotting or the clotting? It has to do with clotting. Okay, so I I saw a a medicine practitioner and her explanation to me, because I am not an expert in this, but it was that it makes it more absorbable in the gut. Oh, right. The K2 helps to transport it, get it where it needs to go. Same thing with citric acid with vitamin mm-hmm. C. It needs, yeah. I forget what it is, but there's a flavonoid that it also needs to have to get into the cells properly uh-huh. to guide it into the cells. It facilitates it into yeah. whatever. It is. It's like the air traffic controller, you know, to the correct cell, the key okay. opener. Yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> the key opener. Well, we, we've clearly gone over our pay mm-hmm. grade on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Oh, I found Glenn's books. So he's got cognitive and perceptual rehab. He also has stroke rehab, a function-based approach. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's the one I think. It's been around forever. It's multiple. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I once emailed him for advice about something, and he emailed back. I do consultations. I, it, it, it'll cost you X number of dollars per hour to do that. And I was like, no, dude. So we, <laughs> we probably want the open be. source version of that, the, the, free, mm-hmm. the free version. That's what I yeah. would like. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, before you guys go, what are you guys doing for subluxation? How do you handle somebody with subluxation? Um, yeah, can you run me through that just a little yeah. bit, please? The subluxes are, are a toughie. Sometimes they, it can be a toughie. Yeah, it can be a toughie. So we start with the basics, right? Yeah. Lots of weight bearing. Weight bearing, external rotation, scapular strengthening, mm-hmm. scapular duct stabilization, <laughs> scapular stabilization, um, thoracic extension. And then we're going back to mindfulness. If, we also, yeah. if there is sensation present, if the client can feel, we're going to try to make them feel into it and see if they can pull it up mm-hmm. to a certain degree. We um, do taping. We do do taping, KT mm-hmm. taping, mm-hmm. Uh, e-stim. More so for the sensation of it versus, you know, like mm-hmm. we explain to clients, it's not going to hold your shoulder in place. But it gives you the feedback. Right. The proprioceptive feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, we do e-stim for supplication. Tons of e-stim, which I... Uh, from your website, right? Stronger after stroke. We've got the cool placement, right? For sublux shoulders. Do you find that that works or should I pull that out of the book? It depends on how meaty they are. Really? So- it's a meaty issue. <laughs> I have a client who was very petite <laughs> and for her, it was, it was too much. I think it was too close to her um, rib cage to her heart. Yeah. So, but, but for our meteor clients, I think it works great. <laughs> okay. For our clients who can handle it. Yeah. I'll write that in for meteor clients. <laughs> you know, your average meatiness, 
uh, happy I found that external rotation, yeah, external rotation is focus. definitely one of the big ones to get a sublux shoulder back into a good position. We put tons to prevent, of emphasis. Mm-hmm, prevent any kind of impingement or orthopedic injuries that could follow or mm-hmm. usually do follow come along with the sublux. Um, and so if they can't do uh, joint movements, obviously we'll do like isometric exercises, um, lots of external rotation, isometric holds, things like that. Mm-hmm. Everything we can to facilitate the posterior delt, infraspinatus, yeah, teres minor, teres major. Superspinatus. All of our friends in the rotator cuff and shoulder. The sits muscles, supraspinatus, <laughs> infraspinatus, teres minor, subscapular. Yeah, the sets, the ITYs. Oh my goodness. Yeah, tons of ITYs. Well, you guys are starting to get that look in your eye that Deb and I oh. often get at the end of these. Um, it's really the lighting. <laughs> we'll all be wearing sunglasses, <laughs> the blue blockers. Saying he's ready to end it by like telling us we look like we're glassy eyed. I see what you're trying to let, do. Let me let you let me go. Um, <laughs> So, no, no, that's not it at all. If you want to stay longer, I'll stay longer, but I do need a beer. Um, <laughs> Go for it. Go get one. I think, though, that, you know, it's clear to me you guys have to come back. Oh, for sure. We'd be happy to. When do, when do you think you can do that? No. Um, when, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? you Is tomorrow okay? Um, it, hey, Pete, you, I've got an idea. Uh-oh. You know, we're a little concerned about the fall semester. Maybe we, they can just you know, join us every week. Yeah, they don't week. teach. They no. don't have anything to do during the fall semester. I know. So. <laughs> yeah. And the, by then they'll have more data with their brain computer <laughs> yeah. interface gizmo. And, mm-hmm. and then I we'll, guess. yeah. And maybe we can get them to come back then. Yeah. I think yeah. that'd be great. Uh, I don't know. Whatever you guys want to want to. That's so time. far out. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. We did yeah. bring our sleeping bags. So we're good to go. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That's the second time you've said that. Now you're scaring me that you actually did. No, Which would be fine. I mean, no judgment. You know, the thing you like to um, you like to rough it in our office. We're committed. If we do something, we do it 150 <laughs> percent. There, that's the the reason we should be drinking next time. You know, I'm not even joking. We should oh. we should drink during one of these. And one of the greatest yeah. talks I ever had was with. One of the co-owners of Sabo, a guy, uh, a no team named John Farrell, and this was back in 2004 or whatever. And we got drunk as <laughs> in a bar, and it's w- that drunk conversation is what helped me develop my neuroplastic model of spasticity reduction. And it because that's exactly what the Sabo Flex does is it asks for finger flexion. It's mm-hmm. the finger flex. If you want to reestablish brain control over the flexors, you got to activate the flexors, but every therapist under the sun says you shouldn't do that. Anyway, so drinking and talking about rehab is a great mix. It's good. I think it's good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> we, we would. We'll, we'll bring, we'll bring uh, Prosecco next time. Yeah. The what? Oh, this Prosecco. is this. Yeah. It's an alcohol? Like this, sparkling wine? Yeah, we'll bring some else. Texas, Texas iced tea? Whatever the Texas. occasion calls for. What is okay. Texas iced tea? It's, it's iced tea with tequila. No, I don't. Oh, oh! It's like Long Island, only it's just much spicier. <laughs> come up with like a neuro cocktail, like a brain cocktail. Ooh, Ooh. I like that idea. To incorporate mm-hmm. things that are mostly good for your brain with just a touch of alcohol. Yeah, I like it. I touch like it. of alcohol. No, like 
alcohol with a touch of what's good for your brain. All Look, right. I'm not even kidding. This is a great idea. But here's right? here's the problem that you have. You'd have to drive home, and you don't want to do that. No, we can sleep here. It's we can fine. Uber. We can Uber home. We're not, no. we're not that far. They can walk to Lynette's mother's house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she crash in the backyard. I was thinking you guys just just stay at your houses, your individual houses. Deb's at her house, I'm at my house, and we just That's drink. That's true. We, should, we, we could try that. Mm-hmm. We can, you know, it might be better together. I get the sense that they just yeah. the yeah, close we, proximity. Yeah, oh, yeah. I see. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. Okay. Well, any, anything else net. you guys want to talk about before we actually get something real to eat? <laughs> no, I think that's everything. We're just grateful for having this combo with us. We're excited about part, technically part three, right? That'd be part three. Yeah, that would be part yeah. two, three coming up. The drunken, the drunken episode. <laughs> that you know, I know we would go over five thousand if we got had a drunken episode because people got that they drank and they were talking about rehab. I we're always in. wanted to do that. We're in. Oh, that's so funny. But uh, yeah, that sounds fun. Doro and Lynette. Thank oh, you so much. I have one more question. Oh, Doro. Wait, wait, sorry. Deb, Deb has a question. We oh. need to know how to pronounce your last name. Oh, yeah. Do you want the German version? Yes. Sulego. Sulego. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Sulego? Sulego. Sulego. Yeah. Sulego. Yeah. Wow. You know, like, I, I did a talk the mean, once. The mean and the German. Yes. Yes. Um, but we love Andrea Merkel by the way, and she's on her way out and she was a real great leader. Thank you for her. Like it really, like I'm not even kidding. Like you're responsible for her. I know I did a talk in Munich and here, and it was in a rehab hospital and they served beer at, in the cafeteria. And oh, I yeah. was like, yeah, of course yeah. it's Munich. Yeah. That stuff is you, got beer, you get beer, you get wine in the hospital after stomach surgery or so you get wine every night. What the heck is wrong with this country? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. So many things. This is not a political show. No. <laughs> this show is not controversial. Um, yeah, we, I guess, well, it's slightly controversial, but we keep it in, in the rehab realm. So much. Next one, we'll have brain cocktails. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever recipe that is. Whatever recipe, mm-hmm. we'll come up with it. Yeah. So it might be like vodka with a little avocado. Oh, okay. you know what? This sounds like a functional activity. It Ooh, does, doesn't yes. it? You could have your all of your clients, each one of them develop their part of the brain cocktail. Neurocognitive cocktail. And then we have to drink it. We'll, we'll have to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a fun day. That will be a good episode. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but seriously, guys, yeah, you're coming back. And thank you Yay. so much. I learned yeah. a ton. Me too. Yeah, thank you so fun. much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Mm-hmm. Go home. See your family. <laughs> I know. Like, they're like, where are you? Yeah, the phone's blowing up. Like, are you coming cooking dinner? I'm like, yeah, oh. Uber Eats. Oh, that wow. reminds me. I have one more story. Midnight. I'm in the, the lab, the cadaver lab, because we have our final exam. It's midnight. My daughter, 18 years old, calls me. Are you coming home to make dinner? <laughs> <laughs> no. Why don't you have dinner ready for me when I get home? Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. You should have said, yeah, I'm with a cadaver. You want steak? <laughs> <laughs> Tastes just like, like formaldehyde. Oh, <laughs> well, according to the Guayaquil, there is a very delicate part of the body that is the most delicious. 
What oh. the heck is Deb talking I about? Guess. Does anybody I'm know? That's like, a tribe it's of an, people it's, that mm-hmm. yeah, it's an anthropology yeah. reference. Of it some is sort. an anthropology oh. reference, and that's oh, as far as that's as far as we'll go. So we're we're talking about cannibalism. Is that what we're talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is going to get good with drinking. But, I think. But I want to know what the part is. You what? probably already do know. Oh, okay, got is it. it the tuchus? <laughs> <laughs> close to it oh very close we're close to it very close so uh anyways i'm really all right (laughs) yeah we need we need alcohol all right (laughs) yeah you can only tolerate us with alcohol that's not true no no without alcohol not true yeah i do feel high You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's free high. And that is the magic sauce. Oh, the secret the, sauce. The secret sauce. We didn't we, talk about that. We forgot about that's the probably hands and the secret sauce. The Mr. Miyagi hands is like, uh, you know. Yes. Yes. It really works. It works. Yeah. This. Uh-huh. Right. Then, yeah. It works. And, and the, the secret, secret sauce. sauce. What's the secret sauce? It's Tabasco. People come from all over the world <laughs> to get our secret sauce. They're like, we don't know what it is about coming here in particular. But mm. you have the secret sauce. Yeah. The energy. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's what it is. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's a t-shirt right there. Neural like, well, I need a we, got, we bring the secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I li- that's, that's, we actually thought about that. But yeah, yeah. I, li- I like that Baseball one. Baseball caps. Something yeah. with the penumbra in there too, because they want the penumbra t-shirts. <laughs> penumbra, that's a t-shirt. Power of penumbra. Exactly. What was the, the cell. Which one? Um, oh, autophagy. It sells yes. itself. That is good. Did you hear that one? What? It sounded a little intellectual for me. Autophagy. <laughs> autophagy. <laughs> it sells itself. Autophagy is like when the cells uh, basically break each other down. And <laughs> what a nerd! <laughs> <laughs> what a geek! Sorry, I've had this bad cough. And like, Lynette, chill out. <laughs> it's really funny. That is tough. <laughs> we'll make you one. Yeah. We could make you a t shirt. Yeah, we'll, we'll get them that one. We'll him, get them. Him and Deb. Yeah. On top of you, that sells itself. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, uh, so much fun. Thank you so much. I can't You're wait so for the welcome. cocktails. Definitely. I, I will let you know as soon as this drops. As soon as it drops. <laughs> oh my God, I used that term that today and I was accused of really being uh using lingo, mm-hmm. like knowing my shit. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm just I don't know. I'm copying my shit. Pete. I'm copying Pete. I have no idea what this is. Launched. When we launch the episode, we launch will inform episode. we will inform you when it is launched. Sweet. <laughs> when we drop the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> when we drop it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's- Mic drop, mic drop. Mm. Yeah, we got expensive mics. We're not going to do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> They're like 70 bucks. Yeah. Did you guys buy a mic? Not for this, but uh, for video shoots. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Do you, you have nice videos? They Those are, are some nice videos. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I need to get my uh, beauty sleep because I'm actually in the shoot tomorrow. So I'm behind the camera. So it's all her. <laughs> Lynette's like 26 and she's talking about beauty sleep. Uh, no I know. Yeah. Whatever. Okay, kids. Okay. We'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We appreciate your support and would love to hear from you. 
ask us questions and share your thoughts by email at nogginsandneurons at gmail.com. That's noggins, the word and, spelled out, neurons at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with others you think will benefit. Also be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We'll catch you next time on Noggins and Neurons, Stroke and TBI Recovery Simplified.